So there you are. That's a tremendous opportunity for us to, to get involved with. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Well, it's really great to see you this morning. Um, we, uh, this is the third time I'm about to preach this sermon. Last night, uh, I was preaching here at, at Timberline, and we had a little behind-the-scenes panic. Uh, how many would like to hear a behind-the-scenes at Timberline's panic story? Raise your hand. All right. How many, quite frankly, couldn't care less? Raise your hand. And how many of you never raise your hand, whatever the question is, from the... <laughs> All right, okay. Well, I, I got here last night, and uh, I, I'm not sure why I'm telling you this, because it basically makes me look really stupid. Um, but I got here last night, and uh, I suddenly opened my Bible and looked at my sermon notes and realized that I'd been finishing off my sermon all day yesterday, and I'd, pre- I'd printed it on the computer, and I'd printed the wrong message. And so I called my wife, uh, and she was shopping in downtown Fort Collins, and I said, Honey, you need to drive home legally, but only just, and I need you to go 30 minutes away and go and email me my sermon. And I finally got it at 5.22, eight minutes before I was due to preach. And our technical team here were fantastic, because they didn't know what I was going to do or say, and they, I was screaming like a chimp, but they were like calm and peaceful. Would you give our behind-the-scenes crew a big round of applause? Because they do a great job. Well, we're doing a little two-part series here. This weekend and next weekend, I want us to investigate the subject of prayer. And I've I've given this the title, How Not to Pray. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6 and verses 5 through 10 this weekend. So if you have a Bible... Take a look. The words are coming on the screen anyway. These words of Jesus about prayer. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, we just got back again from, uh, from the UK, and two things happened to me whenever I just got back from England. One is jet lag. Uh, we're normally seven hours difference, which means that um, I, we wake up at about 4.30 in the morning. That's a wonderful experience, and we're in the office at five, and this happened to us all through this week. And uh, one of the first things we do is we, we have a cup of tea first thing in the morning, not iced tea, that's evil, but... Uh, hot tea uh, with milk and uh, so we need tea and then the second thing is that when I, when I first get back from England I, I've had a kind of speech impediment refurbishment so, so people don't understand what I'm saying I never get through a drive through and actually get what I order you know. in fact I occasionally impersonate a Texas accent just to get the cheeseburger and um, you don't want to hear it honey and uh, <laughs> And so I think it was Tuesday, Kay and I were wide awake and we we wanted a cup of tea and there was no milk. So I said, you know, I'll go to the grocery store. Uh, I I won't tell you uh, which grocery store it 
it was, that would, that would not be the safe way to go. But I said, <laughs> I said, could you just check online for me and find out what time they open? And she did, and it's Safeway, I mean, grocery store, uh, Loveland, you know, said, you know, maybe King Soups, or maybe Albertsons. You're not convinced, are you? All right, Safeway. And it said 5 a.m. opening. So I, I, I drive down there and I get, I get to the grocery store and I look, it's closed. And it says 6 a.m. open. And I thought, ah, that's boring. And I thought, I'll just go to Burger King and get a healthy snack. And, and uh... So anyway, finally it opens and I go in and I get the milk and I, I walk up to the counter and I said to this really nice lady, I said, uh, I said by the way, ma'am, I said, it's no problem, but I just want to let you know your website says that you are open at, at 5 a.m. And she said, no, no, we, we, we open at 6 a.m. <laughs> I, I, I said, right, yeah, I, I get that. I, I, what I'm saying is that your website says you open at 5. And she said, uh, no, no, it's always 6. <laughs> I said, I knew, you're right. I said that that point is that the website on the internet says 5 a.m. And she said, well, we maybe have some stores in Denver that open at 5. And at this point, I'm like, well, beam me up, Jesus. You know, this is, this is not working. There was a confusion in communication. I think that sometimes prayer feels like that. That we, we, we pray, we, we, we know that good Christians pray. More than that, we know that the heart of Christian faith is relationship. But if you want to make a group of Christians feel nervous and insecure, just say this one word, prayer. Prayer. And normally, a lot of us will feel quite intimidated about that. This weekend and next weekend, I've titled this, How Not to Pray. And uh, the, the reason I'm phrasing this in the negative, rather than saying how to pray, there's a reason for my madness. Because Jesus approached this subject in this passage from a negative point of view. He didn't just say how to do it. He said, don't do it like this. How not to pray. It seems to me that prayer is such an important subject that it's like a magnet for bad ideas. And, and so Jesus wants to clear away those ideas in order to help us to pray. So if you're following along in the bulletin, we're going to identify some myths about prayer over the next couple of weeks. Identifying some myths, Jesus said, do not be like the hypocrites when you pray in verse 5. So let's look at a few. First of all, myth number one, stronghold in our mind number one that we need to deal with is the idea that we just can't pray. Well, I, I just, you know, I, I, I can't do that. Some of us feel inadequate immediately it's mentioned. How many, how many people here ever fall asleep when you, when you pray? Just raise your hand very slightly. Just very slightly. If you're, if you're awake, raise your hand. Uh, yeah, that makes me feel better about myself. We, we, we have this idea that we can't pray. I, I mean, I want to be honest with you. I find prayer confusing sometimes. And, and sometimes I find myself 
praying really stupid prayers. And I, I pray them and then I think about what I've just asked God to do and then I think that was really stupid. Like, you know, I'll give you an example. I, I, I'm out driving around looking for milk in the middle of the night and, and I notice that my gas tank is virtually empty because men like me do that. We try and go the longest possible time. I don't know why we do that. It's sick. It's like a competition. How long can I last without going to the gas station? Does anybody identify with this? It's weird. And so I, I have this little thing going on. And then I think, I'm about to run out of gas. So I'll have no milk and no gas. And, and, and I pull up to a gas station and I say, Oh Lord, may the gas station be open. Now what am I asking God to do if it's closed? I'm asking him to grab the guy that runs the gas station who's fast asleep. Grab him by the throat, supernaturally transport him to the gas station, switch the lights on just for me. And that's silly, isn't it? It's a little bit like the, little bit like the, uh, the little boy who was praying and he kept saying, Tokyo, 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 Tokyo. And his mum said, why do you keep saying Tokyo when you pray? He said, well, I've just been, he said, I've just had my geography examination in school, so I've been asking the Lord to make Tokyo the capital of France. <laughs> and sometimes prayer, it's difficult to figure out. It seems ridiculous sharing our small stuff when there's such big needs around us. And it can be intimidating too. Because I want you to get this. We can get this idea that everybody else is having an experience in prayer that's kind of different from ours. Let me give you an example. I've often heard it said, prayer is a conversation. Well, that's true and it's not true. It is a conversation in the sense that we can bring ourselves to God as we are. More about that in a moment. But if we're not careful, we can give the impression that we're having these happy little chats with God. And I got up this morning and uh, woke up, you know, 5.30 this morning and did a triple backflip out of bed, caught my tambourine as I landed in my cowboy boots. And I, and I said, hello, Lord. And he said, good morning, Jeff. And I said, how are you, Lord? And he said, I'm pretty good. I'm God. It's always that way. And uh, I, I said, that's great. Would you, anything you'd like to say to me today, Lord? And he said, yes, remember the hair gel because you need all the help you can get. <laughs> and it's like we're, we're having this little chat. When Jesus taught about prayer, he didn't say, when you pray, say, our Father. And your Father would say, hey, what's up? Now, I know that God can speak through the impressions of our heart, through the Word of God, through other people, but I don't want to give this impression, prayer is a conversation, that we're just having these chats all day. In, in fact, I've got a little, little secret to share with you, so lean forward slightly, lean forward. Some, look at you, some of you are going, I will not lean forward. It's the thin end of the wedge, that's why we got rid of you British people. Lean forward, lean forward. I've got to tell you that sometimes I worry about those Christians who hear from God a lot. It's like they're always hearing from him. And he's always telling them stuff. And he's all, the singer that says, that, you know, and the Lord gave me this song. And you hear it and you think, he probably didn't want it, did he, honey? <laughs> and I worry about that kind of 
thing. Now, am I suggesting that God doesn't speak? Of course I am not. But it's not just a conversation. And the danger is that we can end up discouraged because we feel like everybody else is having this big deal going on and, and we are not. And I'm a pastor and I want to tell you that I'm not having the big deal going on all the time. And my worry is that people like me use vocabulary to create the impression of a world that doesn't actually exist. And then people get disappointed when they don't experience it. Example. Anyone ever been to Disneyland? Anyone been to Disneyland? I went to Disneyland. I loved it. I got sucked in by the whole experience. I couldn't forget that tune for weeks. Da -da 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 -da. And after three hours in Disneyland, I went up and I got Mickey Mouse's autograph. And as I walked away, I thought, how stupid are you, Lucas? You just got a sweating college student's autograph. <laughs> but I kind of got into the whole Magic Kingdom world. And my worry is that we, using our vocabulary, we can make the Christian faith sound like it really isn't quite. And then people get disappointed. You can pray. Often prayer is about presenting ourselves to God, bringing our anger and our fears and our worship and our worries and bringing it all to God. And yes, as we wait before him, there can be the whisper of God in our hearts. But I don't want to give this impression that it's just a happy little chat every time. Uh, on the contrary. Secondly, the second myth is that prayer is just a speech. Prayer is just a speech. Jesus uh, says, don't keep on babbling like pagans. Verse 7. Now, two things about that I want you to see. First of all, Jesus is not talking against repetition, um, because actually liturgy can be very powerful. It's not, it's not repetition that's being condemned here. It is vain repetition. And secondly, in teaching about prayer in secret, he is not prohibiting prayer in public. Because Jesus himself prayed publicly in front of crowds. Uh, the early church frequently prayed publicly. It's not prayer in public that's being condemned. It's the motivation behind public prayer, which is pray to impress. Let's get that clear. But what Jesus is also teaching us is that prayer doesn't have to be long to be valid. The Pharisees believed that the only good prayers were long prayers. On average, they prayed for three hours every day. And Jesus exposed their motivation, Mark 12. The teachers of the law, for a show, make lengthy prayers. I want to say to us today, you can pray, and it's better to pray briefly than not at all. And when you pray, pray like you are. You don't have to put on a special voice or use special vocabulary God knows who you are. Uh, if you were from England, you would know that I'm from the wrong side of the railroad tracks. Uh, I'm from East London, kind of Cockney. And I mate, you're all right, I'm all right, just about that was a pair of a bit of a kit, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not from what we would call the posh part of, of London, where everything's frightfully lovely. <laughs> Yes, lovely, lovely, jolly, lovely. 
I've got a friend, he's a pastor in England, and I hope he's not watching this on the internet, and uh, he's like me, all right, mate, yeah, I'm all right, all right, all right. He's from the east end of London. But something happens to him when he goes to church and stands up to pray. Great and gracious heavenly Father, I thank you today for you are present in this house. And I heard him and I went to his church one time. I said, who was leading the service today? He said, that was me. I said, pal, it was not you. We can come to God as we are. We can tell him what we feel. And it's better to set aside. And I know that prayer is not just about setting time aside. Prayer can be that sharing of our lives with God as we go through the day. I hope we do that. But if we are setting time aside, which is a good idea, it's better to set five minutes aside and do it than it is to believe that you should set an hour aside and do nothing. Dom Chapman says, pray as you can and not as you can't. Rob Warner says, there are times when the simple cry of Father sums up all that needs to be said in prayer. So first of all, know that you can pray. And secondly, know that prayer is not a lengthy speech. Thirdly, uh, let's know thirdly that there's this myth that we are not welcome in the presence of God, that, that, that we should hesitate. But Jesus exposes that myth as he invites us to use this word, Father. Verse 9, this is how you should pray, our Father. Do you know that was radical language? The Jews did not have a strong theology of the fatherhood of God. And so for Jesus to tell us to address God as Father was shocking news. In fact, the early church struggled. It seemed too intimate, too radical. Sometimes in the early church they would put a preface on the Lord's Prayer that went like this. Grant that we may dare to call on thee as Father and to say, Our Father. There was a nervous hesitation. The truth is that God wants us to approach him as Father. Now, I need to stop right there. And the reason I need to stop for a moment is because I am extremely aware that for some people listening to this in this room, in the South Auditorium, on the internet, through radio, the word Father is a bad word for you. The word Father might make you wince with pain because there's been the tyranny of abuse in your life. I want you to know that Jesus never says God is like your dad. Because he recognizes the fragility of human fatherhood and also the fallenness of it. And so he says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father? In other words, Jesus never says God is like your dad. Jesus effectively says God is like a dad that is just unbelievably incredible. But the second thing is, whatever our experience, I think we need to ask God, to show us his father heart more. My dad died 13 years ago and I had an experience this week which has rocked my world in terms of my dad. My dad was a prisoner of war for three years in the last war. He finally escaped and worked his way back across Germany and, and got home. 
he never said much about his experiences. He was very quiet about it, but I know that it was very painful. This last week, back in England, I found a document, going through some stuff, I found a document that the Red Cross sent to my grandparents when my dad was captured. And it said the name of the prison camp that he was in. And I just thought, what would happen if I googled that prison camp name? Suddenly, my dad's life exploded in front of me. I've read two books about that prison camp in the last seven days. I read about what he ate. I saw pictures of prisoners in chains. I found out he was just five miles from Auschwitz. I discovered that he went on a march for six uh, on 600 mile march in the coldest winter for a hundred years where if you fell over you got a rifle butt in the back of the neck. Suddenly I understand my dad so much more because I bumped into his story on Google. Your heavenly father wants you not just to be a good Christian with the right morality and ideas. But he wants you to discover him and know intimacy with him in your life. You are welcome and he is father. The the fourth myth, quickly, that I want to deal with is this idea that we can just go it alone. This idea that we don't need community. Would you notice that Jesus tells us to pray, not my father, but our father. I think if we're not careful, we can develop a dysfunctional view of church that says church exists to simply support my own personal spiritual life. It's a fast food joint where I get fed, and that is a mutated view. The truth is that God has always fulfilled his purposes through a people, Israel, the church. And we are invited to not just go it alone, but to say our Father, the community of God matters. And we need to remember that when church becomes tough. I mean, I, I love being part of Timberline, but it, but it isn't perfect. I mean, look at who they let preach, for one thing. And look at who they allow to show up, for another. If you've been, I've said this hundreds of times right here from this pulpit, forgive me, but if you've been part of Timberline for more than six months and nothing's irritated you yet, you're probably clinically dead. I mean, that's the way it is. But we do not commit ourselves to being together as long as it's nice. But we commit ourselves to be the community of prayerful love, not as consumers, but as members of the family of God. That's why we pray frequently for the other churches of this city. Why? Because Timberline is not the kingdom of God. And we pray blessing on every church where the gospel of Jesus is preached around this city today. And we want to see them grow and be blessed. It's our Father. Well, the last myth that I want us to uh, just think about for a few moments is the idea that God is watching from a distance. And if we misunderstand these words of Jesus, our Father in heaven, we could easily end up with that notion. Uh, I often often sing this song in the shower. Uh, Don't reflect on that, but let me just tell you that. Um, uh, Anyone familiar with this song? God is watching us. God is watching us. 
starting to sing along there. Some even starting to raise your hands. God is watching us from a distance. See, it's a really cute song and I like it, but it's not the whole truth. Because God is watching us, but he's not watching from a distance. And when we read these words, our Father in heaven, one of the tragedies of the mistranslation of these words is that it should read, our Father in the heavens. Now stop right there. Because when it's our Father in the heavens, that's a totally different theological truth. That God is the God who is out there, But the heavens includes the air that's immediately around your body right now. It's the fullness of the space between now and the end of the universe and eternity and all of that. God fills it all with his presence. He is the omnipresent one. Now we better get this because if we don't get it, then prayer becomes a bit like lobbing snowballs at the moon. If God is slightly to the left of Jupiter, hello? Hello? Earth to God? Anyone there? But what does the Bible teach us? The Bible says where two or three are together in my name, there I am in the the midst of them. See, the fantastic truth is that God is not watching from a distance. Dallas Willard, and I'd encourage you to read anything he writes. He's a great writer. He says, some think that God is a Wizard of Oz type being sitting in a location very remote from us. The universe is then presented to us chiefly as a vast empty space with a humanoid God and a few angels rattling around in it. It seems that when many people pray, they do have such an image of God in their minds. They therefore find praying psychologically impossible or extremely difficult. And no wonder. God is in the midst of us. He is with us. Uh, I've been experimenting with that a bit in my own life. I go to church a lot. I'm going to be in church four times this weekend. A week ago in Britain, I preached in 11 different places in 11 days. I'm in church a lot. Can I be ever so honest with you? Most of the time, I enjoy it. Not always. Can I make that? Some of you are looking shocked. Uh, Can I just say... I, Darry Northrop, ask for your forgiveness if I just offended you. I mean, have you ever been in a church service where the worship goes on for two and a half hours and you sing the same song over and over again and everybody else is looking happy and you're privately fantasizing about assassinating the worship leader and, and you're just exhausted with the whole thing and then the worship leader says, do you know what? Heaven's going to be just like this. Only longer. I have those moments when I think, please, can we just go eat some dead chicken? So I've been experimenting recently. This is not a legalistic statement. It's just an, an experimental statement. And Terry, our worship leader, is waiting backstage, feeling kind of nervous right now. Um. I've been experimenting with keeping my eyes open during worship times because I found that for me there are moments when I'm trying to go somewhere else to worship. Trying to scrunch up my eyes and if I could just... Rather than looking around and seeing you, 
and realizing that Jesus is right here. And when I'm standing outside King Super's, waiting for it to open, he lied, that Jesus was there with me in my world. That I haven't got to go and locate myself emotionally, psychologically, spiritually somewhere else. But I can whisper, Father, because he is close. You can pray. We can pray. And whatever your posture of preference, eyes open, eyes closed, whatever, let's pray together now. Lord, we want to thank you because prayer does not have to be a subject that intimidates us and overwhelms us, but that we, we can pray, we can enjoy sharing our lives with you and at times hearing you speak to us. Deliver us from unrealistic notions. Show us more of your Father heart, Lord. We pray especially today for those for whom the word Father creates pain and tension. We pray for a very real and genuine healing in their lives, that they will discover the true, authentic fatherhood of God. We thank you for the community of prayer of which we are part. And we pray that you'll enlarge our vision of what church is supposed to be. And we thank you that you are watching us, but it isn't from somewhere in the solar system. You are our Father in the heavens. You are out there, exalted and glorious, that then the whole earth is filled with your glory too. You are in the midst. In a moment, we're going to pray a prayer together, a very familiar prayer. But as we just continue in this attitude for a moment, I've been challenged recently. I, I, I felt like I suddenly realized a few weeks ago that I had gotten out of the habit of asking God for things. You know, it's, we're going to investigate this more next week, but in human relationships, if you keep asking for stuff, people get weary of you. And they don't return your calls. But God encourages us to ask. He wants asking to be part of our lives. It's a declaration of dependency. I wonder, have you asked God for anything lately? And why not take a moment right now to ask of him, to bring a simple request to him. And if you don't know what to ask, ask him to give you wisdom in your asking. We gather up, Lord, the fragments of our hopes and fears and dreams and anxieties and we present them to you in this moment. And now we pray this prayer together. And this familiar prayer is before us on the screen. Would you, would you pray these words out with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread 
Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forevermore. Amen. Amen. And Lord, as we, uh, as we sing about the world ultimately and eventually bowing before you, we consciously in our hearts bow before you as we go into this new week. Teach us how to pray and show us more of yourself that we might learn not only your story but know you more personally. And may your peace keep and guard our hearts in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Great to see you. Prayer team are here. If we can pray with you, we would love to. Have a wonderful weekend and may the sun shine and the snow be banished. God bless you. (laughs) 